Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from civil citizens to celestial celebrations. And today, we're going to build a city. All right, Brian. So, um, with my bare hands, with your bare hands, with my bare hands, lift the cinder blocks just from the ground up. All right. Yep. Just going to start with a pen and a pencil and a pad of paper, Uh and I'm just going to start going for it. Yeah. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Okay. Well, where do you start? Okay. Where do I start? So, we talked about building a town. We did. I remember that episode a long time ago. I don't even remember what number it was, but it was was a while back in the fifties. No, it was before that. Oh, I think, wow. I think somewhere in the 30s or 40s. Oh, we're getting nostalgic on the show. We are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are a lot of similarities between building a town and building a city. So there's going to be quite a bit of overlap in the two episodes, but there's also going to be differences. Yeah, um, one is bigger. One is definitely bigger. Typically. So I, I went ahead and made like some major like talking points, things to think about when you're coming up with the concept of your city and you're getting into the, to the detail filling of your city. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Probably the first seven points or so are like the same major seven points I made with the town episode. Right. So, I mean, if you think about the development of a town, mm-hmm. eventually it will become a city, right? So yeah. The building to blocks, a certain point, yeah. Like socially, I mean, like. Yeah. It, had, it doesn't start a city, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. You have a point. Um, so we're going to go over a lot of the same points, but we're also going to elaborate a little bit more on them because there's similarities. But at the same time, a lot of those similarities are expanded and added on to or okay. made more compl- complex by the idea that it's much bigger. Right. You need waste management. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So another thing I want to say is. We're going to get into a lot of nitty gritty stuff and like none of this stuff necessarily needs to be taken into consideration. This is about city building in detailed form. Like okay. this is this is 
we're acting under the impression that like you're wanting to build a really complex and fleshed out city that your characters are going to spend time in city game. Yeah. A city game, maybe even. And I'm listing a bunch of stuff here and I don't even take all of these into account. I probably take about half of these depending on what type of city I'm making uh, and which half I'm taking into consideration really depends on like the circumstances of the story. But like, all of these should be something that you consider to a certain point, right. to a certain degree. I should okay, say. I, I get what you're saying. Okay, so let's get into it. Please. The first thing that you should consider when building a city. Location, location, location. <laughs> uh, where, where is it? Where, where does it stand? Is it in the mountains? Is it on a shore? The woodlands? The plains? Is it in the underdark? Is it in the jungle? Is it on a different plane of existence? Beach front. Yeah, beach, beach front. front. Beach front property, absolutely. <laughs> and the reason, I mean, obviously that this is important is this is going to be the single most defining factor of any community, period. Like, where you are is going to define, it's going to dictate your population. It's going to dictate your resources available, the trade routes that it can get to you. Right. It's going to dictate the general culture of the city, the defenses, whether they're natural or artificial. So location is important. Yeah, so Absolutely. Like, it's very likely that when you're deciding to build a city you didn't get a choice in the location your city your characters are going to a certain area of the map and now you need a city there and you didn't plan for it okay my point here is just take your location deeply into consideration yes uh, like okay so if you're going to build um, a city from the ground up kind of thing like my players are going to play this whole game in this place that that allows you a lot more freedom you get to decide all these factors so you're mentioning like right your players are just going to show up to this new location. They turn left instead of right like you thought they were going to. And right. now you need to plan like, fuck, they're going into the mountains. I need to build like a dope mountain city. Right, right. Yeah. So okay. location is important in that in that regard. And it's also important in the first regard where it's you, you get the choice. So cool. Moving on. The next thing that you need to consider is the population of this city. Number of people, obviously, number one. In my personal opinion, a city doesn't start becoming uh, a city until about 25,000 people. Sure. It's okay. just an arbitrary number that feels right to me. Okay. <laughs> but that, you know, it's whatever feels right to you. It doesn't matter. 10,000, sure. Whatever. Okay. That's a cool. small city, but whatever. Yeah. But not only am I talking about the number of people in your population, I'm talking about the demographics. Like, who makes up these people? Like, that's very important, especially, you know, you have so many races to choose from. They're very different in D&D. So, yeah. was this town like. Uh, in the mountain dug out by dwarves and like is it a dwarven city that is integrated with like other kinds of people or is this just like human central like what's going on here you have everything every option in between yeah what kinds of people what are their dynamics between each other is there a dominant culture and how does that affect everyone else they kind of limit you a little bit with that because there's never going to be like a city of goliaths according to the lore according to the classic lore right but but you can classic lore make a city of goliaths that's (laughs) fucking cool that sounds dope but like if you are going like classics or if you're going like Forgotten Realms or something like that. Those are things that are going to be off limits to you. So those are decisions you have to make. The classic lore is a general guideline. It it gives you a framework in which to work. Yeah. Um, And eventually, once you've been DMing long enough, you say, fuck the framework and you make your own. But it's there and it's important and it's what we talk about for a reason. Yep. Um, Also with population and demographics, you need to probably think about what are the tiers of class in this city? Like a, a, the classic fantasy tiers of class. You have your peons and then your commoners, your merchant class, your minor nobles, your major nobles, and then your royalty. Right. So like that's just a classic fantasy trope. There's a million other ways to do it, but you need to decide yeah. how that works in your city. You can pull from history. You can pull from like one of the standard books. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't know, does Skag and ha- that kind of stuff have the, those kind of building blocks set up for uh, you? Skag it really gets into like the very specifics of Forgotten Realms. What's the one with um, uh, the the vampire? 
Strahd, uh, Curse, Curse of Strahd, Strahd yeah. does that have, I mean, that sets up the, the layout of the map for you pretty much, right? Yeah, but in Curse of Strahd, there's only like 3,000 people total. Yeah, that's like, true. It's like, Strahd rules them all. Not really a city. Yeah. Like it is a city. It's, it's, it's a region. It felt like a city, mm-hmm. like when we talked about it in that episode, but it didn't like, uh, yeah, like it was limited because they're all like zombie people pretty much. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them lack souls. Yep. <laughs> Also, um, you don't need souls, people with souls in your city. You don't. Apparently. Apparently not. So, um, Another thing, one last thing to consider when it comes to population, uh, back to the um, tiers of class, the size of the class and the demographics of those class. Yeah, like are how many people are in the each? ruling class Ooh. and uh, do they outnumber the peasants or is it the other way around? Like that's all going to create like an atmosphere. And like as you're going through these things in developing your city, it the city's story is going to kind of start to tell itself. You're going to kind of see where you want it to go and where the your decisions are making it go. Right. So that reminds me of the drow episode. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of uh, talk in that episode about like how the um, the classes are structured. Yeah, it was very important to drow society. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can like take that as like a if you're trying to kind of make a desperate sort of city like that. Like, yeah, that could a be good, a good framework. Indeed, I agree. So next up, these two points kind of tie into each other. So I'm going to mention them kind of simultaneously. Resources and economy. Okay. Let's start with resources. Uh, food. How is your city eating? Imported right. or domestic food? Like this makes a big difference because it's going to change this city's like stance in the world. Yeah. Like a town might have a hunting party. A city is not going to have like. No. You're going to have like agriculture food and farming. has to come in. Right. Whether it's from your, your home country or imported from somewhere else. There's too many people here and they got to eat. Mm-hmm. Also water source. And it's not just like a near, oh, it could just be a nearby lake, but it needs to be a water source that can supply to, for 25,000 plus people. Right. Um, Cities imply technology. Yeah. So yeah. like irrigation and stuff like that is important. Exactly. What, what does that yeah. look like in your and city? And then waste management. Waste and, management. Yeah, and that's that. I th- I'm, I've never really considered it because that's something I usually sweep under the rug and don't talk about. Oh, but man. like waste management could be something that like defines your city. Look at London and like. What yeah. The, are they crapping in the streets? Yeah. Are they crapping in the streets? Because it's the dark ages. Yep, and no and one has c- technology. That's no how you one get, knows about germs. That's how you get that good plague going. Indeed. Um, <laughs> that kind of feeds into like, economy, though. What is the city producing? Rural citizens... Poop in the streets. No. Jesus. <laughs> rural, rural citizens, historically speaking, tend to migrate to cities for a single reason. Jobs. Yeah. It's where the work is. It's where the money is. So, Culture. Yeah, culture. What, what resources are available? Excuse me. And this is going to dictate what industries should be present in your city. Right. And what trade is sought after in the market. So, you know, stone, is there stone quarries? Like, are they processing clay, like ore, spices, food, timber, cotton? These are all common resources. Mm -hmm. But don't forget this fucking Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Resources can be made up shit. Yep. Like Tormekian crystals. Right. Uh, I love crystals. maybe, Maybe they are skinning drakes and making textiles from them. Or maybe like uh, Baron's Gate and Forgotten Realms, like it's notable for their milking of owl bears. Owl, oh, wow. They sell okay. owl, owl, owl bear milk. So is it yeah. good? I don't know. I don't know Forgotten Realms all that well. I mean, it I must be that. good if people are doing it. It's true because that you know you could just milk a cow. You could just milk a cow, but they're milking <laughs> so, owl bears. That for, seems dangerous. Furthermore, um, your trade doesn't necessarily need to be a material good. Like education can also be a commodity. Maybe the major trade of your city is something like um, a magic academy 
or just a major academy in general or an assassin's guild a or strong military a very strong military or something like that like yeah it could definitely be that what's the hobgoblin magic school um oh my gosh the i think the academy of devastation the academy of devastation <laughs> yeah exactly. you, you get like the ex um warden from the I call him warden uh, or like the um like the, the ex, principal uh, or whatever oh, ex headmaster yeah headmaster head and he like yeah, is cool. in your city and you're like <laughs> Yeah, we have our military trained by like a pro hobgoblin. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, and and there should also be service industries. Okay, so uh, let me let me back that up. We're back okay. to waste management again. We're back to waste management away from the Tormekian crystals. Right. Um, so the, what resources are are around and whatnot are going to define like the major industry. So there should be at least one, maybe two major industries that are going to be the backbone of this city. Right. It's going to be the thing that most of the people in the city do. But there's also going to be all the service industries kind of around that and all the smaller production industries around that to support that said industry. So just keep that in consideration because that's going to define what kind of people and what these people are doing in your city. Yeah. What's the motivation of the leadership in the city? Are they like military is an easy one to go to because if they're like they're driving military power than one of your town or one of your cities, like major, like in-house goods, probably going to be weaponry. Yeah. But also food. There's going to be a lot yeah. of food. There's going to be a lot of alcohol if it's a mainly military city. Cause True. these boys are going to be bored and hungry. Bored and training hung- all day. So. Or they're at war or yeah. like, or like they're at they're, war, yeah. Or, you know? Yeah, exactly. What's so. going on there. Yeah. <laughs> so think about it. Think about it. Next up government. So there are many, many kinds of government. That many of us are familiar with stuff like monarchy, democracy, oligarchy, aristocracy, theocracy. There's also like ones you don't really see, like uh, criterocracy, which is like where the strong rule and stuff okay. like that, like um, a barbarian city. Yeah, or like hobgoblins. They have like a military dictatorship kind right. of deal, or um, <laughs> they're into subjugation. A republic, like you know, we are here in America, or like the ancient Romans. A republic is another one. Mm-hmm. These are these are important because the type of government that's in place is also going to define the culture. It's going to define like. Lots of things. Lots of things. It's yeah. going to define like the general feel, the the general freedom, I suppose, of the citizenry. Yeah. No, you're and right. That's though. important. Yeah. Like, like how, how are free decisions, or not free are they? Yeah. How are decisions being made? Who's making them? Exactly. And what types of decisions are they? Where are they leading the people? Um, those are all things that like it, it's okay. I can see how where things are starting to get complex. So okay. breaking this down into like these big portions and tackling them one at a time from the bottom up is probably one of the better ways to go about it. Indeed. Also, don't forget that this is fucking Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and you can you don't have to be boring about it. Like, yeah, the city could be made of crystal tourmaline. Instead, <laughs> instead of a criterocracy, you can make a mageocracy where it's the strongest in magic rule, and like the arcane and those who practice it are of a higher citizenry than those who without it. And like, there's whole dynamic between those with and without magic. Um, you know, when we think of a theocracy, I think a lot of us think of like a general church mm, government, yeah. with like a head head of the church kind of like the pope like the pope like like something like that you see it a lot in in fantasy novels but like there are way other ways to go about theocracy and i'm going to point to a book written by brandon sanderson called warbreaker in warbreaker i'll try to have no spoilers the general idea is that there are these divine beings called the returned and whenever a return shows up um and no one really knows why they show up. They are they are placed into office, and they're like oh. these ruling body of like. There's like twelve of them. That sounds and like they, Lord of the Rings. And they each rule a different like part of the government. And they each have a different like. Um, they each have a section of the military. Okay. And so they all have to kind of work together. But then above them is like this God Emperor who's like, 
who I think is a, is is the citizen's actual deity, even though he's not actually de- deity. Spoilers. Oh, but um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's pretty apparent pretty early. He on takes the not. seat, uh, but, like yeah, of that. But yeah, okay. he's basically the deity or the mouthpiece of the deity, and then they're all divine beings, and then they have a clergy that serves them and does the bureaucracy stuff. But like they are the major dis- decision makers, right? Okay. And like I'm not. That's saying, interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying that's like some great form of government. It's actually really crappy, if you ask me. Well, but yeah, but it's it, very interesting, yeah. and compelling, and different. And my point is, in a world where divine beings are real and you know they're real, and gods make their will known, like there's creative ways to express their rule, right? And that's a good one. I think. yeah, I think it's having a good like one. some direct influence over. Yeah, their patrons and or citizens. They're citizens, or you know, they're they're yeah, yeah. I that. guess if you're a citizen of something like that, you're a patron also. Is that is is patron the right word? I don't think that's the right word. Uh, fo- follower, believer, yeah, believer, true believer. Um, but my point is, like, you can be creative with it. Don't try not to think inside the box if you don't have to, or unless you unless you want to, and that's fine too. Okay. So um, I'm gonna drink some of this water because this energy drink is dehydrating me. So give me a second. <laughs> Do you want to take a short rest? Yeah, actually, that'd be let's nice. do it. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. 
As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the show where I love you for listening. Thank you. Will loves you too, right Will? I do, and now I'm hydrated. Super hydrated. Let's do it. <laughs> Um, we have a couple of Patreon people that we really want to thank. Thank you guys so much for coming in and supporting us on there. I hope you're loving the bonus content. Um, so we got uh, Christopher Meisterjohn, cool name. Uh, thank you, Ad- Christopher. Adam Hellscream, also thank, a cool thank name. Thank you, Hellscream. Stephanie Deemer. Thank you, Stephanie. Also a cool name. And Blind Man. Thank, thank you, Blind Man. <laughs> also a cool name. <laughs> thank you guys so much. We really, really appreciate you. But we pre- every year... That can hear the sound of my voice. We appreciate you too. Very appreciated. No, no, really, guys, thank you very much. Without you, the show wouldn't be doing as well as it is. Um, welcome everyone who's new. Thanks for jumping in. We hope you're enjoying the content. Um, we'll, we have a contest running. It's actually two contests. We have two contests running, yes. Yeah. Tell yeah, me about it. We are, we are giving away two copies of Mordenkainen's Tomophos. This is the newest book coming out on May 29th. It's going to have a lot of planar lore. A lot of rich stuff on like the blood war and demons and devils and um, a lot of like just extra planar stuff. I hear the Shadow Kai are going to be at it. Cool. Possibly Eldrin stuff on the Raven Queen. Spelljammer. A lot of, of Spelljammer. A lot of really juicy stuff. So a lot of people are really excited for it. And we're giving away two copies. And here is how you can enter to win either of those two copies. Number one, on Twitter. If you tweet a link to our show, it could be any episode, whether that be YouTube or SoundCloud or any podcast app, with the hashtag DungeonCast. I will every day I, I get on Twitter and I search the hashtag Dungeon Cast. I will find you. I will add you to the list. And on May 29th, we'll be announcing a winner on Twitter for one of our copies that we're giving away of Mordenkind and Stoma Foes. The second contest. Yeah. The second contest is on YouTube. And the way you enter that is you just check out our video called Our Mordenkind's Toma Foes Giveaway. Foam of and Toes. And if you like that video, subscribe to our YouTube channel and then leave a comment below stating what you're most excited to see about in the book. You'll be entered into that contest to win the same book. And so we'll probably put a link to that video in the description of this. Yeah. Episode. And, and most of the epi- any episode we announce the contest on, there's a link in the bottom for it. For sure. And both winners will be announced on May 29th. So best of luck to all of you. Best of luck. I hope you win some foam toes. Now, uh, to get to some other stuff, um, if you listen to us and you want to see us, you can find us on YouTube. So search us there. We got a really cool new little intro thingy. It was we fun. Do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but otherwise, you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash DungeonCast or any podcast app. Please tell your friends about the show. We really want to spread the word about the show. And the only way that we can really do that is through you guys. So if you like the show and you want to support us, um, please tell somebody that you know that you think might like the show. Um, other, otherwise, uh, if you want to send us an email, go ahead, uh, thedungeoncast at gmail.com. Or as Will was saying, you can find us on Twitter at thedungeoncast. Um, that's all we got. So let's go back to the show. <laughs> back again, but for reals. Indeed. And the last thing I think we were talking about government, you know, the fun stuff. That's my favorite. <laughs> I love government. So let's move on to the next <laughs> point. Um, what is the place or status of this city in relation to the rest uh, of the map? The rest of the map. Yeah, exactly. Like, is this the capital of a certain region or country or nation? Um, is it just a simple city state kind of alone and independent? Is it a major economic center? Like... I don't know. Is it like a major trade city or is it a major government city? And there are there is a difference. Is there commerce? Is yeah. there like um, tourism? Exactly. exactly. Is it like so. a metropolitan area? Is mm-hmm. it more rural than that? I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's just to kind of like generally get the feel of this city. There's really not much more to ponder there. I mean, you can always pick your favorite real world. 
<clears throat> excuse me, favorite real world city mm-hmm. and just like fantasy that boy, bad boy up. Yeah, that's true. You could totally do that. Absolutely. So the next thing, and now we're starting to get, now we're going to venture outside of what we talked about in the town episode. Okay. Like all those points we just talked about were the same stuff we talked about in the town episode, just expanded a little on. bigger. Yeah. That now let's get into stuff that's a little bit unique to city building. Okay. So first and foremost, history and origin. A city is not built in a day. And the bigger the city is, the older it generally will tend to be. Right. And with that age is going to come a history of what came before. I, I feel like personally establishing the history of your city is going to help with role playing the NPCs in that city. Yeah. Because there's a lot of baggage that comes with your history. Like, um, well, number one, an origin story. Like, look at look at Rome. It's its origin story is, well, there's actually two conflicting uh, origin stories. But generally speaking, their origin story is very famous. And it was a big part of Roman identity, of Roman society. Right. Of uh, what is what was it? Uh, Remus Romulus. And it's almost definitely not a true story but that doesn't matter like the story of your origin is going to be important to citizenry whether it's a myth or it actually happened yeah okay i Um, I feel that furthermore like with the overall history of your city it's going to you're going to have to paint historical allies historical rivals and foes right legendary figures that exist within that culture you know heroes kings warriors maybe add a few major disasters that happen in the span of this city's like lifetime that again uh, uh, not just not just uh, natural disasters, actually. Like, what about political revolutions, plagues, and, and war, defeats and victories? These things are all going to play a major factor in the rich culture of this city. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I mean, I really like the idea of like establishing who your friends are, like politically, yeah. Yeah. like and are, why. W- yeah, and why? Why yeah. is almost like why is much more interesting to me. Yeah, like, <clears throat> is it a monster? Is mm-hmm. it another city? Is it like? What do you? Why are you guys teaming up to like be badasses together and like take down this foe? Right. Is it like are you just bullies? Like, what's the deal here? True, it could be that. Well, I mean, the reason I think it's important is it really does flesh out. Like, it just fleshes out the world because, like, look at Lord of the Rings. The entire idea of Rohan and Gondor being historical allies yeah. was a major talking point in both the movies and the books. And you never really saw it until like the end. No, you were kind of told about it. Right. Like, that's and that's the important thing. Like the history was there, but like in the book, you weren't sure what was going to happen until spoiler alert. Yeah. Rohan until it shows up. Yeah, it comes to fruition. Back. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty cool. And like just those talking points really gave a lot of body to the world building aspect of Lord of the Rings. Indeed. You know? It made it feel real. Indeed. Absolutely. So next point. Cities are so big that... They're so big. They're not made up of just the general population and the government. There's going to be all kinds of major factions and organizations throughout the city. And you should come up with what the major ones are. Because they're going to flesh out a lot of your NPCs. It's, It's going to give you ideas for things that can happen in the city. Are there um, like cleric temples feuding in town for like followers and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, there can like be religious orders, definitely. Crim- knighthoods. Yeah, criminal organizations, merchant guilds. Merchant guilds is a big one mm-hmm. because merchant guilds have a huge influence on the economy and thus they're going to have a huge influence on the government. Right. And like how they got do, muscle, how man. Work? They got those fat stacks. Indeed. How does this work? Do the, do the merchant guilds, are they. Uh, in constant like um, conflict with the government officials and they're constantly trying to, you know, pull their weight against like things that the government's trying to do or right. the government and these economic uh, 
of these merchants in control together? Are they in cahoots and they're fucking over the citizenry? <laughs> like, there's well, all kinds of things you could do with it. I like the idea of merchants versus government, like lawmakers and stuff that are trying to like regulate business and right. they're like throwing money at people in the streets and the government's like, don't do that. Yeah, like, you're going right, to ruin right. the economy. Exactly. Yeah. Also, uh, back on economies and like special citizen groups, like, um, I don't know, just just general industries, guilds or something. Yeah, guilds and and adventurer groups and and treasure hunter guilds and mercenary groups and stuff like, like that. Artisan guilds that like yeah. the people that show up and like auction off like fancy paintings and Indeed. stuff like that. Yeah, sure. What kind of high end cultures in your town? I like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, why did I just think of the Hunger Games? You know, in the Hunger Games where they she gets to Katniss gets to like the the like central city or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're like fucking partying it up and people are throwing up so they can eat more and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like. That's a that's a that's like a, always gives me like a sticky vibe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because it's pretty gross, but yeah, just like the um, the decadence. Is yes, pretty, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. And like when you're coming up with these with these factions and organizations, like really think it out. Give them a name. Give them a set territory. Uh, if it's a criminal organization, like what are the crimes that they're specializing in? Like, and what's the generate? What's the reputation of their organization? What's the rep- What's the reputation of all of these different industries? The reputation of the merchants and the religious orders. That's cool. Whatnot. That's what's a really cool aspect I haven't yeah. considered because I'm I'm city building right now and yeah. I haven't considered like, is there a mob in my city that's like anti-government? Right. Because a lot of mobs form to create like their own form of government. They Indeed. like work outside of the law. They do, and they yeah. do it with numbers and power. Yeah. That's it. That's really interesting. So yeah, with, with each of these factions, think of their territory, their name, their reputation, and their general influence, and what they're influencing. Nice. So yeah, yeah, I, I find the factions probably is one of the juiciest points of of the city. D and D gives you a lot of that in the in the text, like mm-hmm. uh, like from our last episode, the uh, the fighter episode we just did, the purple dragon knights. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. gonna say purple dragon knights, not Forgotten purple Realms, dragon knights. Forgotten like Realms dragon has a buttload of factions, from the Harpers to the purple dragon knights. There's all kinds of different like groups and teams and guilds and yeah, it's it's all over the place. Word on the street is a buttload is like you, I don't even know how much that is. Well, I thought it was unquantifiable. Well, but that's someone what I mean. on Twitter. I can't remember their username. They. They uh, tweeted me something, and it totally quantified what a buttload was. So, oh, what? Yeah, you didn't they, show they, me. They quantified it. I forgot to tell you about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I nah, forgot. We're just talking out of our ass. Yeah, we were, yeah, eh. we were. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next point. Landmarks. Okay. This kind of goes along with history. Age should probably bring some iconic locations, not just iconic events that happened. Right. So adding a few iconic landmarks to a city uh, will make it unique. It'll make it more memorable to PCs. It'll also just give the city, like... A, a feeling, an atmosphere, if you will. Right. Um, and it can be a statue. I think that's a very obvious one. Like, mm-hmm. But it can be like a cascading fountain or um, like uh, soaring towers on the outskirts of the city that like almost reach the clouds. Or like or, the aqueducts in Rome. Like that, that was a real Rome, iconic yeah. looking thing. Or it could Colosseums. Be, Colosseums. Or it could just be like a great expansive and exotic bazaar you know or or marketplace like it could just be like this legendary trade center <laughs> that's cool yeah um you know it could be like a, a battlefield that was never cleaned up it was left there as a star Ugh, along the land that's nasty like the, like the bodies were oh, okay but like they left all the, like the the damage to the land of all the fireballs and like the the scattered armor and all that stuff. Oh wow, that's so, a, got a Gettysburg vibe to me. Yeah, exactly. Because it was such a it was a, such a historic. Like they just uh, left the battlements out there. Like, dude, exactly. the, it's over. We're not going to clean this up. Yeah, like, exactly. Let's just leave it here as a reminder yeah. of our past. Yeah, nice. Or, or of course, maybe there's just like natural 
fantastic phenomena like a like a great like crystal jutting out of the ground that the city's built around or something you know something along those lines <laughs> there's a giant rock outside of town nobody knows how it got there yeah everyone just calls it the rock it would be a mountain if it wasn't like if it was connected to the ground but it would, it's not it would be oh it's a floating rock <laughs> no it's not floating it's just like you could tell it's a just a big ass boulder it's just a big boulder yeah, yeah everyone's yeah, sure. like what the fuck indeed yeah i love Any the shade <laughs> it'll just add a little bit of personality to your city yeah there's um there's a lot you can do like i really like this idea of like um it's got the sci-fi vibe a little bit or fantasy it depends on how you spin it but like um a lot of like dense vegetation making like uh an atmosphere for you like like maybe a biodome yeah kind of like a biodome but without like the glass you know it's just like we built this city in like this like highly vegetative is vegetative word vegetation sure. full area mm-hmm. like and it produces like the ox- clean oxygen we need like maybe there's some like i don't know toxic environment you're trying to avoid so okay. we, we like or it's a well, natural defense of, like in a way that reminds me of nausicaa of the valley of the wind how like the world, the toxic jungle is like devouring the world. But yeah. like there are certain locations where like the ocean breeze keeps this valley's air clean. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's really cool. I love Nausicaa of the Valley Wind. It's my favorite Miyazaki movie. That's a good one. So uh, moving on from landmarks, military and defenses. That's a big one. All cities are going to need a military and, and, and they're going to be able need to be able to defend their city. Because right. if you have this huge hub of trade and people... And you're not defending it. It's just going to become it's up for grabs. Pretty it's much up for grabs from yeah. Alexander the Great's going to roll in and indeed. take your burn down all your libraries or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, indeed. So, um, so you know, come up with how large the the military is. Like what their general forces are. Like, do they have a famed cavalry or infantry uh, or oh, archers? I always have a hard time. Like, where is the military in the town? Like, where where is their base of operations? I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be a base either on the out like outside of town and on its own, or somewhere in the town, like a right. military hub. Um, also. This is fucking Dungeons and Dragons. So get exotic <laughs> with it. You know, do they have Griffin riders, dwarven artillery, war mage companies like trained war beasts? They just have a bunch of bullywugs that they mush. Sure. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Sure. They live in swamps. That's so messed up. Just slave bullywugs that they're mushing. That's horrible. <laughs> Ever since but we talked about it in the Hags episode, I can't stop thinking know, about it. But but yeah, it could be something exotic like giant that. goats. Um, giant goats. Sure. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're like weird. Maybe it's like a gnomish city, and for some reason they, they raise these war goats that they ride into battle. It <laughs> could be. Dope. Why not? That's awesome. Like so, rams with like yeah, big ass horns, yeah, and they absolutely. use them. Fuck. They yeah. like armor them up. I think there's a really crappy scene in one of the Hobbit movies where the dwarf, one of the dwarves, is riding like a giant ram. What? Really? Shitty. Really? I hate. That I don't movie. remember that. Anyway, it must have been in the last one where yeah, like it's yeah, going, it was in the everything's movie. popping off yeah, in the stupid movie that was really bad. Aww, All right, moving. You on. hate it too much. No, it is really atrocious. It was the, it was the worst of the three. It I was, think but. it was bad storytelling. It was bad character development. It was. It went on for too long. Was there was long. no point to it all. You ruined your main character by making him a side character. The story's supposed to be about Bilbo and how awesome Bilbo is, despite his small size. Like, you you took a children's tale and you turned it into a mess. There was also like a lot of extra Gandalf stuff. Yeah, yeah, and you made up a bunch of stuff, and it was bad stuff too. Sorry if you like the Hobbit yeah. movies. So, anyways, <laughs> sorry not sorry. Moving on. the The last point I want to bring up is foreign relations. This kind of goes back and ties into the placer status, yeah, um, uh, and whatnot, and the history a little bit with like your historic allies, allies and whatnot. But come up with the relationship status between your city and all the nearby regions, mm-hmm. allies, foes, and neutral associations alike. Yeah, like, what is the general what's what between these cities? Was there a skirmish recently? Has there been a hundred years of like strong, firm peace? Do you have good trade? Like, 
what's the deal and just get a good general feel for your entire region surrounding your city if this is um if this is your first go around building a city this is definitely a like this can seem overwhelming this is like there's so many big tasks on this list we've gone through so far so if you're having trouble, you know, and it's still early in the campaign. Build, build towns, build more complex towns, and work your way up to this. Yeah, again, there's no way you're taking all of these things into consideration. I mean, maybe you are, but if you're like, building, it is excessive. If you're exclusively building a city game, then like I can see why you would want to take the time to flesh all these things out. But these details can get so minute and yes. like very hard to keep track of as Indeed. you're as you're playing. Uh, my suggestion is to kind of just go over these and and kind of like, okay, you know what, history, I want to really explore that section of my city mm -hmm. and the factions but maybe uh who cares about the landmarks and the military that's not going to come into play i'm not really going to flesh that out right, right. Now. you know what i mean like pick and choose you could do it all you could just do one you could do none of it fuck my list set on fire go do your own thing but this is just something i wanted to, to talk about yeah you could always so. improv it if you if you if there's a point you don't get around to and you because you thought your players wouldn't be touching this and they do I mean, like improv it right there and then write yeah. it down so you remember Indeed. and be like, OK, I'm going to make sure I flesh this out a little more for next session. So, yeah, that's really all I got to say about city building. I don't know if there's anything you want to add or maybe you have a question or something. I don't know. I don't know. It like like playing in the city game seems like the flow. The flow of it is always like, like, how are you letting your players explore your city? Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to get into town. They're going to like. What are they going to be like shown around or are they going to just like, is it like more like they're just going to go explore? Like, I feel it's such a daunting well, I mean, task to like why, let your players just like wander. If you're going to show them around, you're going to have to come up with an in-store reason because that doesn't happen. You don't show up in a place and they're like, hey, you look new here. Let me show you around. Like, it happens in Pokemon all the time. Yeah, it happens in video games. <laughs> but, but my point is like that wouldn't happen. That, that would be very strange and suspicious for well, it an is, NPC to It do. is strange and suspicious, but yeah. that's kind of the point is um, in, in Last Airbender, they go to this like Great Earth Bender city called Ba Sing Se, mm -hmm. and when they arrive there, well, like he's very, he's the avatar, so he's like a important political figure also but they're and that's kind of the guys but they welcome him into town and they're mm -hmm. like you're gonna have an assistant with you at all times mm -hmm. and like Who's parts really of the city keeping tabs on you. yes yeah. and parts of the city are off limits and they're not telling you why yeah and yeah you know, like you're all they're also children yeah. but but even there there was the established reason of like you're the avatar you're a celebrity so like you get special treatment. Yeah. And that's my point. Like but if you're they, going to have a guide, whether it be nefarious or not, there should be some in world reasonings behind it. Well, the reason like it's like secret police kind of are, right. are monitoring people that are coming into the town yeah. and like not letting them do just do as they please there because yeah. it would like I don't know, ruin like foreign relations or like I, I have no idea what the reason is. It's about control, probably control yeah. mostly like keeping the people in check and Indeed. like keeping the culture the way it's supposed they, right. they say it's supposed to be. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And those are things you should consider. Um, generally, when it comes to NPCs entering your city, just let them enter. See what they do. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. Be I prepared. mean, just get ready. Yeah. Have a have, you know. Locations you shouldn't, you shouldn't be hand holding your players anyways. Like it's, it's no, yeah, not that bad. Should be exploring. Yeah, the um, um the, like setting. Do you do you like to set like districts up in your city when you build? Yeah, a lot of times I do. I, I do. I like to set up like okay, this will be like the general merchant district because that's generally like zoning is kind of how we do with cities. Like, yeah, uh, you know, there'll be uh, all the industry will kind of gravitate towards one area and like people will set up their homes like nearby but in another and like 
you know, this area it, is currently being gentrified. There's obviously, yeah, sure. There's <laughs> obviously a little bit of mix, you know, like there, you know, it's, there's going to be some people that live in like the industry section and there's going to be some businesses, plenty of businesses, I'm sure in the, in the, um, residential section. Yeah. yeah because the, the zoning that we do nowadays is a very modern way of doing things. And it's only possible in the U S the way we do it because we have cars. Right, Without I cars, mean, it would be stupid to do it the way I mean, we do it. I mean, it's stupid with the cars, but it's stupid with the cars. <laughs> but yeah, so so, but there are still going to be like general like territories, uh, and how you want to divide that, and the reason they're divided in the way they are. Well, that's up to you. Maybe it's maybe this section is is this section because the mob rules this section. Maybe you know? yeah, maybe it's set up like uh, with a. Um like a geographical kind of thing that forces mm-hmm. a city to kind of zone itself a, yep. in a certain way. Absolutely. Like the fresh water's coming in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. A cliff, a river, or God, whatever. so much f- hinges off of resources. Like resources is a great place yeah. to start. Which is why I started with location and resources. Yep. So I mean, those are, those are the two main things. Like mm-hmm. I, I find that to be a really uh, easy way to build a city is like, what are the resources and then build it from there. Like I basically just draw mm-hmm. where the river goes on the map and then build the map around that. Yeah. So or, you started, you started with location yep. and then you looked at resources and then you went from there. So there I mean, that's, go. that's pretty much like, yeah, that makes sense to it. me. All the rest is just, you know, extras that you decide to add on or not. But with that, I think we yeah. can call it a game. Let's call it a game. We're going to talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.